Again, my name is Pastor Rich, and you guys come here. You guys uh, know we started this our second week of Beyond Blessed. We started a new series last week called Beyond Blessed, and we're talking about uh, a book. We're going through the book of uh, by Robert Morris, and it's called Beyond Blessed: God's Perfect uh, Plan to Overcome Financial Stress. And really, I'm using some of the material from it, but a lot of them is what God wants us to talk about with Grace Point Church originally. If you know anything about Robert Morris, he's the uh, lead pastor of Gateway Church. And he last couple years ago, he did a book called The Blessed Life. And what it did, it focused mostly on generosity. Well, Beyond Blessed is really talking about stewardship, and we want to focus on that, talking about how to be good stewards, how God owns everything and we steward everything. And last week, we kicked off Living Beyond Blessed. And when we, uh, we unpack what living beyond blessed looks like, it's actually God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. Uh, this last, yesterday, we were able to, we had a great ceremony. If you didn't know, our, one of our elders, our longtime elders here, uh, uh, gosh, he's going to kill me. Terry Benningfield, sorry, um, passed away last Saturday. We had a big, great service for him. About over 300 people came. You guys helped feed. You guys prayed. Thank you so much for what you did in that. You were blessing. You blessed the family. They came by and said, thank you for what your church is doing. And that's blessing other people. Um, and that's what happened. We were able to do that work in the kitchen and be able to feed a bunch of people and really be, uh, be there in that time of need. And that's what it is. I mean, we're blessed to be a blessing. His famous words were, you're blessed to be a blessing. And we're going to unpack a lot of that, some of that today. But living beyond blessed, again, God blesses so we can be a blessing to others. Let me ask you a question. I know some of us have kids. How many of you ever, if you're in, they're in another room and you're in a room and you hear, and they have their toys out, and you hear this, this, this uh, thing that goes on, mine, they don't want to share, mine, 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 and you come in there, will you stop it? And then you, they go back, you leave and they have another toy, because that toy is theirs, right? They think it's theirs. Mine, 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 mine. And then you go back, and you don't care, really, whose it is. You take it, because you want peace at that moment. Well, when we talk about mine, a lot of things when we talk about money, home, cars, furniture, electronics, clothes, all those material things that we have the habit of calling mine. Now, our children, they get upset if you take the toy. But who bought the toy? They didn't buy the toy. And who taught them how to say no in mind? Well, that's the nature of man after the fall from God. Everything is, say it together, mine. And then God comes along and says, no, it is not. It is mine. And we're going to share, go through a story of scripture today about the people of God, the children of Israel, who believed what they had was theirs. And they had to give back to God. They would give their offering to God. And they, had, they, had, they were in this mindset that God needed everything they were giving. And they would give out their house, out their pens, and they will give something out of the house. And they were doing it with pride, and they were doing it with obligation. I've been there, I, just, I guess I got to give. You know, I got to give, because I know I need it. And they felt that God ultimately was dependent on their offering. And he comes back in, in Psalms 50 verses 10 through 12 and he says, um, by the way, it's mine. And he starts with this. For every beast of the forest is mine. The cow on a thousand hills. 
I know all the birds of the hills and that moves in the, in the field is what? Okay. If I were hungry, I would tell you. For the world and its fullness are. And this is God coming back to them. Letting them know, you giving to me out of your pride and your obligation, I'm not, I'm not going to heal because it's about your heart. They really thought God needed them. They needed them. Well, we got to give it to God. Well, we got to give it to the church. You know how when we do uh, clothes drives and everyone cleans out their closet versus go buy new stuff? Because they need it, right? Versus you don't give the best stuff, you give your stuff you don't want any longer. Mindset. Instead of giving out of praise and thanksgiving, they were giving out of pride and ab- obligation. So I love, I love the book of Acts, in verse chapter 17, when Paul was speaking, he said this. It's an amazing book, part of the scripture. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, that means he's master of Lord and heaven and earth, does not live in the temples made by hands, nor is served by human hands as though he needed anything. Does God need anything from us? We need a lot from God, don't we? We need his salvation. It costs God everything, his best, his only son. Amen? As though you need anything, since himself giving to all mankind life and breath, and he didn't stop there, and everything. Life and breath and everything. Now, when you get my age, breath is very important when you're working out. Sometimes you just take it for granted when you're young. You run, 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 run. You're good to go. You can run the laps. When you get my age, about the second lap, where is the air? And you realize, God, thank you for giving me some air, dense air. And it's very important. But then you forget. You got to remember, God gave us the air. God owns everything. We got to remember that. God owns everything. I love Psalms 24.1, New American Standard says this, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Everything we have is from God. Everything we have is from God. Now, God owns everything because he made everything. I realize the very coat I put on is supposed to be cotton. And I didn't make the cotton. I didn't grow the cotton. All we did was throw the seeds, and God made it what? So he owns the cotton of this coat. So he owns the whole coat. Amen? The books. I love books. Everyone says, Pastor Rich, staff says, no, don't give us another book for a year. <laughs> don't give it. <laughs> right, says that. I said, y'all, you read too many books. I know. I, I love books. I believe that readers are leaders. Uh, leaders are readers. And I love books. So I remember this book's made out of paper, which is made from a tree. And I didn't create the tree. Who created the tree? And you know you live in Texas. And how many people have own land out here? I mean, have a yard. And you notice that you don't plant weeds. (laughs) You try to plant. But somehow, because we're not cold enough yet, that weeds, what, come up? And you're like, where'd they come from? And God says, because I love you, and I want you to stay healthy and continue to work the yard I gave you. 
I got, I got an acre and a half, so I'm always talking to the weeds. My neighbor thinks you're weird, yeah, but he's out there talking to them too because we want to put our tractors away. But we see God owns everything because he made everything. Now, you realize you got to say, who owns me? We don't even own ourselves. God owns us. It says, the Bible says, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit given by God. And I'm supposed to glorify God with my body because he's the one that gave me my body and he gave me the spirit and when he breathed in, he made me live. But there's another, there's another um, uh, part in the Bible that says we're just clay. We're, like, we're just dirt with unsurpassing glory in it, the Holy Spirit. And God owns us. You don't even, and we were bought with the price through Jesus Christ. He bought us back. So we don't even own ourselves. Aren't you excited about that? So you got to realize when God prompts you to give, don't grieve the loss like you own it. You know, when he tells you to give your time, your talents, and your treasure, you know, Pastor Rich, I mean, we say, hey, can you come in and clean? I've got so much time. I don't have time. You grieve your time off. Really, and sometimes God is not, when we ask people to step up in new things in their lives, they're so caught up on what they're missing or they think they're losing, they, have to turn, they need to turn around and see how much they gain so much more. They gain more. When you do it, I think we talked about God's economy, his values. When we, we live our lives by God's values, we gain more than we lose because he desires us to grow more and more in him. So time and time, don't, don't ever grieve your loss, especially when he changes your, changes your job. But do, don't grieve your loss. The reason why you're in college, really, you're getting a degree because God put you there and he's going to gift you in something to make your business prosperous. Not because you're good, it's because he's God. So when you, he leads you, don't get upset when he leads you. If he changes the degree program, make sure it's God. Don't tell that to your parents, okay? Uh, which you changed mine a few times, okay? I understand, why, I understand why you changed my degree program. So I can be more effective in what you put me. Because I'm not my own. I'm owned by you, and I'm led by you. And you realize that is... Amazing, because I'm not an owner, I'm a steward. And I always talk to God about my body. I say, God, I'm trying to steward the way I can, but these surgeons, you keep, every time I go to the doctor, I have to get another surgery. Now, who am I supposed to meet today? I guess I keep showing up this time, I'm supposed to leave someone to Jesus. I have one more surgery. Not, I won't, please, I won't say that now, but... I said, I got to go know on Friday. There's someone I'm supposed to talk to before they put me under or put me um, halfway under because that's when I really get critical and give my car away and things like that. <laughs> but you realize your time's not yours. Your talent is not yours. None of it is. The gifts of the Holy Spirit from the Holy Spirit. 
Your treasure is not yours. It's not even your treasures. It's God's treasures. It's a piece of the treasure that we get kind of confused on, which we uh, I want to help you um, break free from that. That the tithe is holy. Ten percent, that's holy. Let's read Leviticus 27, verse 30. He says, every tithe of the land, whether it's the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is whose? Now, he didn't stop at that. He says, it is holy to the Lord. Everyone say, it is holy to the Lord. Say, my 10% is holy to the Lord. And I just told you something wrong. Say, his 10% is holy to the Lord. It don't feel good. No, sometimes it doesn't. Holy means sacred, consecrated, set apart, reserved for God to do what he desires to do with it. It's reserved for him. God has something planned for him when we give him our tithe and our offering. In fact, when we return it, because it isn't ours. Everyone says, not mine. It's holy. It's more than not mine. It's holy and set apart for his purpose. If I don't give him what he he desires, his purposes cannot be set across, be um, fulfilled. Now, there's a story in Joshua chapter 6. And the children of Israel know about the children when they came out of the pro- came out of the, going into the promised land, and their first battle was going to be with Jericho, and that made means a major city that was going to break down the center of that of that uh, new land. And they were told certain instructions to run around, uh, walk around there six days and seven days. You go around singing, you cry out, and the city just fell. But he also gave some other instructions. These guys named uh, he told them, "Don't do not do not touch any devoted thing that when you go in there." The devoted things, the silver, the gold, the bronze, the iron, they're all holy to me. Do not touch it. It is not yours. Well, a guy named Achan, whose name means trouble. Now, last week we talked about Jabez. His name meant pain. And he did not want to live up to his name. He became what? A blessing. Well, Achan lived up to his name because he caused a whole lot of trouble. If you look it up, he took some of the devoted things, the holy things. He took them, the devoted things. He took approximately about $124. And he took the holy thing and put it in his thing. Because it was supposed to go to the treasury of God. And the children of Israel was enjoying it, had no idea what was happening on the next battle, the battle of Ai. And then we're going to just take out a little small, a little city like Rhode Island. We can take it over. Only take 300 guys, which was wrong. Joshua should have asked God, but he got, he says, fame come. He says, I'm the man. Just take 300 guys. We can wipe them out. Well, those guys in uh, Rhode Island, I would call it, <laughs> chased them out. The first time they've ever lost, they lost 36 people who died. They, they turned their back and they ran. And it was amazing. They said, oh, my, that's the first time you heard them defeated. Because they thought God was with them. Well, Joshua did his thing. He came back. He heard about it. They came back. They told him. He ripped his clothes, put the ashes on, laid out, 
was crying out to God. And he does, you know, when we were in trouble, we asked, God, why'd you even put me all the way over here? It was better when I was in slavery, but that's okay. God, you know, all this. And he's laying there and he's just swimming in, and he's crying. It feels good. I mean, he's doing very well. Great, great devotion. And you know, God, he has so much um, mercy. He said, uh, like you tell your children, get up. You know how they do that in the mall when they fall out and everything? <laughs> I've seen some of y'all like, no, get up. I didn't do this. Someone took which wasn't theirs. And God didn't stop at that. He said this. Someone stole it and they lied about it. And he took what Achan did. He took the devoted stuff and put it in his own stuff. No, he buried it because he knew he was wrong. Now, we stop. We're losing. We have to grab every tribe, every leader tribe, every family. Gets up to Achan. Achan, what did you do? He said, why, Mr. Trouble, did you bring trouble upon the tribe? I took $127 and I put it underneath my tent. Found it, brought him out, killed him and his family. See, what happens is, if we don't do things God, the whole nation of Israel suffered, couldn't do the things that God called them to do. How about a church? When we decide to take what is God and put it in our own stuff, and we're trying to make an outreach, and we're trying to get coats, and we're trying to get, get um, gloves, and we're trying to touch our community, and it's just not enough because it's not there. It's in there stuff. We can't use God's stuff to bless our community because it's in your stuff. And then you notice nothing's working. And you know, you, you know, I know offering time. What happens is we get up and we're so eloquent about giving, about giving. And everyone in their voices, you hear the guy on the left ear and the other one saying, mine, mine, mine. I hear you all the time. It just amplifies because everyone goes down when you say giving. In fact, giving should bring the whole place up like when we do baptisms. Because it's about Thanksgiving. Having, you know, God, I'm giving back a whole lot less than you're giving me. Air and everything. Now, we've been there. Let me give you... Uh, I'll tell a joke. I know it's hard. We live, I have a staff, generationally, this way. And you have my age. And occasionally we'll put, buy candy, and we'll put candy in the refrigerator for the children. Well, everyone else, if we don't mark it, and this happens in your house, don't you? You have something nice and you can't wait to get home to eat it, and your children say, well, candy goes missing. And it's like, where's the candy? It wasn't marked. It's missing. And they didn't even share it with me. <laughs> That's the hard thing. And I'm supposed to, I'm supposed, I'm now, I'm lord of the candy fight. <laughs> but it's just anything else. If it's not yours, this is just a joke because no one knew. But if it's not yours, why would you take it? He called Achan a liar and a robber. He called him a thief. 
because Achan didn't realize. After the battle of Ai, they received everything. But the first one belonged to God. Oh, he's tracking me. The first tenth, the first fruits go to God first. You'll receive if you just hang in there. But if you never, you'll never try it out. You'll gain more so you can give more. But if you never try it out, when he says, test me in this, you'll never receive that which is better than what you have. And you think you're doing well, and you're not. You think you're, you're not doing in the fullness of what God has for you to reach your neighborhood, to reach your, um, to reach a, uh, your workplace. There's nothing wrong, nothing harder when someone comes in, I say, I have a need, and I can't give it to you right now because we have a need, we don't have it. And we are the storehouse. What Aiken forgot, and a lot of us forget, when you're robbing God, you wind up putting a curse on yourself. Look at these words, Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10. It says this, Will a man, oh, that word rob again, rob God, yet you are what? But you say, how have we robbed you? And he says what? And you're what? And what else? Does that sound like Achan? Okay. You are cursed with a curse. You are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my what? House. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord. If not now, open up the windows of heaven for you and pour uh, down for you a blessing until there's no more need. The last thing a child of God needs to be needy. When we weren't designed, it's not our birthright to be needy. The world is needy. We're prosperous. Not because we have money, because we have him. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Now, the word curse, when you get caught up in, is basically the opposite of being blessed. Curse is the opposite of blessed. Remember I said blessed. When God blessed creation in the very beginning, he gave them the ability to be fruitful for future generations. You take that away from your kids and your kids' kids if you decide to withhold that which is God's. And what is he stopping me from? The devourer. You know, the guy that shows up whenever you, you think you have a lot of money and then the car says, ha, <laughs> watch this. And that refrigerator says, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to leak all over the place. Oh, okay. And you're like, well, that's a devourer. Devourer does not mean want me to take my money and tell it what, and help other people. He wants me to spend it all on myself. Because what he says in verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed because what it is, faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. And fruit is grown from us for other people to eat. So when our community needs fruit, they come to us. When they need life, they come to us. Talk about salvation, we come to them. Most of them, we go to them. Because we have it. But if you don't have it and you're holding on to it, you're like Aiken and you buried it. And you don't ever live the full life. And what God had intended for each and every one of us. You'll live a marginal life. Or a life that says, I wish I could have, should have. Or you have a life of worry. Because what you think you own, you worry about. So you got to realize it's deeper than just mechanical. It's a heart thing. 
Because you got to understand, giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. That's what we're talking about. It's the heart. Let's go ahead and Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. This is Cain and Abel. In the course of time, Cain brought the, to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn, which means his very best, of the flock, and all he had some fat portions with it. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. See, we see one thing about this. is not about the gift. It's about the heart of the giver. He gave over time. He saw out of obligation and pride, I got to give to God. Abel showed up and said, I cannot wait to give you, and I'm going to give to you out of my reverence. I'm going to give to you out of my thanksgiving. I'm going to give to you out of my worship, my heart devotion to you. See the difference? Versus I have to do it. I have to show up at 5 o'clock. Do you really? You know, you get to do it. Remember the air you're breathing right now isn't yours. The time isn't yours. Enjoy your time. Make sense? Hebrews 11, 4 said, Abel gave the best out of a pure heart, devoted praise and thanksgiving to God. Now, I'm going to give it to you plain. Cain gave a tip. Abel gave his best. And we tip, and we want the full blessing that Abel got. Can't. Then God will go against his word. He never does that. See, it's never the, let me tell you this. It's never, it's never that you never have enough to give. It's that you can't afford not to. But the other thing is, when you learn to steward your money well with God first, all those other things you worry about, he'll give you ability to steward your money. 10% to him, you want to go extra with the offering. And he'll also teach you about, I need to put some 10% in the bank for a future um, devouring what they call emergency fund. And I have 80%. And you'd be surprised what you can live off. But you got to give glory to God first. Not bury it. And don't bury it on the words of excuses. Because excuses don't get you. Intentions don't get you anywhere. Make sense? So Cain, his heart was filled with anger and jealousy. And he was up and just obligation. I'll give you some. I, all right. Then give the best. Now, we know how we get jealous of people we see in the church that we think have more than we do. And say, okay, how's that campus minister have a whole house? Oh, you mean, you mean them? Yeah, they, they are the biggest givers in the church. And I don't want to out you right now, but I know you don't give anything. That's why you notice that. Now, I'm not talking about prosperity. The reason why someone will have a house is because they need to house people and have parties for the Lord. Not Remember we talked about last week? I want to increase my territory so I can be a blessing to other people, not because I can have the biggest car on the block. Right? Because, you know, you have a car. It lasts how long? Until the last payment. Then all of a sudden, he's built, this thing starts going out. This goes out. This goes out. And they, and they watch it, and they send you nice letters. We want your vehicle. We have a new one just like you. We fit you right in, and you say, oh, yeah. And then you forgot. You should come back in three days. The vehicle you gave them for nothing, 
They sell it above price to someone else. I'm sorry if that happened to you. <laughs> what I'm really saying, guys, giving is an expression of our love, devotion, and thanksgiving to God. I can't even make you give. It's your love for God that compels you to give. It's your love of God you realize, man, God, without you, I am nothing. I have nothing. I don't exist. I'm not even in the Bible. I'm not even a person until I met you. Here's a quote I'm going to end with. It's by uh, W.F. Beattie. And it's all about love. We cannot worship whom we do not love. First base. So it's not a, a mechanical problem. It's a love problem. Because whatever you worship, you'll build an altar to. If you worship um, video games, you'll build, that's your altar. And you're playing it all night. Versus whatever you give to and whatever you put to, that's your altar. Without love. And whom we do not believe, that's faith. That God's going to grant something greater, but I'm going to be part of his master plan to spread the gospel. All so the idea was not to kick Adam and Eve out the garden. The idea was to spread the garden to Adam and Eve, out to everyone else. Well, when Jesus redeemed us back, now our job is to take the, uh, the will of God and, and the love of God and the, and the blessings of God and spread them out to our communities, to our workplace. And he gives us all the resources to do that. We are the resource for people that need, that need it. And he uses us to do that. That's why we're stewards. That's a responsibility. And whom we refuse to obey. When we do freedom training, a lot there's a word that Christians will use that says, I can't. And what it's really saying, your will is saying, I won't. Because God's give you all the way to provide for you. But you don't believe him? And first of all, you got to get past the first one. Do you love them? Do you love them? Well, I, I mean, you've become the church, and this is your church. Guess what the storehouse? This is the sto your storehouse. Now, if you trust the Lord with your soul, you ought to trust him with your finances. Don't look at me. Well, I don't know. I don't trust. It ain't about me trusting me. It's about your relationship with God. I got the harder job. That's why I hire people to do that for me. We want to glorify God. Not get a bigger church. We're modifying our church called a Generations Program um, Initiative. We're building, trying to build something for who we want in the room, which is future generations. That's who we want in the room, future generations beyond my age. Younger. And where's it start with me? I'm going to build something. I, might, I won't enjoy all of it, but I'll get to see it when it's completed. So you hear about generations, and the guys are going to hand you out a card on the end of this, this series. We're going to do what we call a bit. We're going we're gonna, to um, re-engage everyone on our giving, our pledging. We have eight, we got six months left. We're trying to raise over $146,000. I don't think that's hard for God, but I'll really be happy to get that $40,000. i get that youth thing done. And it's sitting right here in this building. And save the date for that. Don't miss this series. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to make you free.
when you're young, you get to learn this early. I didn't learn this until I was 40. About stewarding and putting God first in my, in my time and my talents and my treasures. We're going to celebrate the last um, Sunday in October. Get people to do a three th- at least three things. One, you can pray about, help us pray about this. We're having a fast and prayer. Next, next week you have all the details. The week of 21st and 24th. Want to pray. Second one in, we're giving people an arm wrap to get started in stewardship. We want you to tithe first, not give offering, because we're going to mess you up if we just give you an offering and you help us build something and you haven't built a lifestyle of stewardship. So you start with you start with offering, I mean with our tithes first, and then you commit to offering. We had someone commit to tithing last week, just talking about it. We're serious about you being a, having a life of, of being letting your money. You tell your money where to go, now they tell you where to go. And you can watch things happen with baptisms. That happens because someone helped bring someone in the presence of God. You guys did that. And we try to do as much as we can to make it tangible to see what God's doing. But it's about the love of God.